0: Okay, if you want to turn in your Bible to uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 9. Let me read this, and then I'll pray. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we're here today in this building, and we know that uh, it's just another building at the end of the day. It's a beautiful place, but this isn't the church. The church is, is us, your people, your family that you've called together on mission to serve you and to worship you as you as the head we're all part of your great family and we know that as a family together we get to work through life together all the adventures all the joys and the thrills all the pain and the struggle we get to help one another and serve one another and most importantly, help, to help each other to see more of you, Jesus. We pray, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're at work in our hearts, all the time, drawing us to Jesus, pointing us to him. And we, our prayer this morning is we don't want to leave the same. We want to leave having known some more of you, not just in our heads as a new bit of knowledge to remember, but as something profound in our hearts that deep in our souls that we've met you and we believe that's what changes us from one degree of glory to the next is encountering you Jesus so we pray you be at work in our lives as we open the word as we study together would you speak to us encourage our hearts strengthen us do us good we pray in Jesus name amen amen The Bible says, actually says quite a lot about two themes that I'm going to look at today. Um, I guess in this passage one of the things it talks about is suffering. Um, And you might think that the Bible is maybe if you're not a Christian or maybe you're just exploring who Jesus is and what this is all about. You might think that the Bible is a book of just kind of commands. And rules, things you have to do, or maybe some kind of divine holy book which is about kind of mysteries that you can't really understand. Or it's just a book of kind of stories and myths. Actually, the Bible is does have some stories in it, does have some some imperatives, some things for us to do, but it's a book ultimately all about Jesus Christ. And Jesus, through his word, speaks into human experience. The Bible speaks into everyday life. It speaks into the, into our lives. It tells us about how the things that are going to confront us and how we can work through those things. And one thing that's unique about what the Bible has to say about suffering is that, as as Peter's done here, and as happens in other parts of the Bible, that suffering and joy come together and are spoken about in the same sentence even almost in the same breath these two apparently contradictory ideas of suffering and pain and happiness and joy somehow come together it says in Romans 3 that we can rejoice in our sufferings we can rejoice in our sufferings which you might think how, how can we do that? You know, rejoice means to express joy, to kind of show joy. And you think, well, how can, how can, I, how can I suffer you know, at the same time have joy? You know, as Peter's talking about here, he says, in this you rejoice, but for a little while you're going to have grief through various trials. So which is it? Which is, which, which, what's life supposed to look like? Is life supposed to be full of pain and suffering or full of joy and happiness? Which is it? But what we're going to look at today, I guess, guess the kind of the heart of the message to say today is that though the story of your life may be punctuated from time to time or maybe even consistently with suffering, that might be the story of your life, the, the mood of your life, the atmosphere of your life can still be one of joy, of joy. It was a Catholic... Writer about 100 years ago uh, G.K. Chesterton and he said this man, he's talking about humanity man is more himself man is more man-like when joy is the fundamental thing in him and grief the superficial we'll all face suffering we will, we all will it's not, I, 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 I might, you might think it would be a good way to start this year by saying, you know, 2018 is going to be your year. It's going to be your best year ever. You're going to be blessed in such a way that life is just going to be incredible this year. But actually, I'm sure in many different ways we'll all experience some level of suffering and difficulty this year. But that doesn't mean we can't have a life Where we find joy, where we enjoy God, where we can enjoy one another. And to help us understand this, we're going to look at uh, a few things that kind of, from this passage, a few things that it teaches us about suffering, and then we'll look at a few things that it teaches us about joy. So first of all, suffering is, is temporary. It says here, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, for a little while, In Psalm 30, it says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And you might think, if you're here and you've been living with some sort of lifelong affliction, you know, illness or disability, or maybe something happened to you, something traumatic has happened to you, or some relationship that you've been part of or even you're part of now that has caused you pain and grief, and still does, you might think the comment that suffering is just for a little while, that might even offend you a little bit, because <laughs> you can think, well, how can that be true? How, how, you don't know my life. You don't know the pain that I'm in. How can you say that suffering is just for a little while? You know, is Peter, in this letter that he's writing, is the Bible just being naive? Is it just being kind of dismissive and just, just pretending that suffering isn't there, that it doesn't, that it doesn't exist? You know, is it just kind of saying, you know, just pull yourself together. Just forget about those things. You know, if you're from England, where I come from, you might say, you know, put on a, a stiff upper lip. You know, just, just kind of pretend it's not there. Just bury it down under the surface. You know, just pretend it's only for a little while. But what Peter's doing is, he's not pretending it's not there. He's just speaking from a completely different perspective. He's able to stand back and look from the viewpoint of all of eternity and say the inheritance, the future that God has for us means the suffering that we face in this life really is only for a little while. When you measure it against the eternity that God has laid out for those who believe in him. It says in Revelation 21, it says he, talking about Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away there's there's an end that's that's what it's saying there's an end it's for a, a brief little while and then there's an end and there's a glorious future ahead of no mourning or pain no tears, it's temporary. The next thing it says is that suffering, it comes for, for a reason. It says, though, now, for a little while, if necessary, if needed. Because you might think, well, I'm just in pain because I've just been unfortunate, or life has just taken the wrong turn, or life just dealt me a bad hand. You know, I've just ended up in the wrong situation. But what you'll find is, is that God can use whatever situation you've ended up in, God can and is using it to bless you, to do you good, to strengthen you, to grow you. These trials, these tests that you're going through God's at work in all of that. And you might think, well, that just sounds cold and harsh. He's just a God that just throws down difficulties on us just to kind of bash us into shape. He's not like that at all. This is a, a heavenly father who's he's doing good to you. And it might not be the way that you might define what's good and what's bad, but he's doing good to you. He's blessing you the suffering, the pain that you're going through, you don't know the story that that's gonna tell in your life. And sometimes we never know. Sometimes you look back and you think, I don't know what that was about. But often we look back and we think, I I learned so much through that. Oh, God did something profound in me. Oh, God's helped me in so many ways. Suffering is there for a reason. But also the Bible is very real that it's painful. It says, They'll know now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And it's talking about, this isn't just like the pain that we get, you know, if someone sends us a message with some kind of angry emoji faces, you know, or no one likes your picture on Instagram. That's not the sort of pain it's talking about. This is like a deep grief. This is, this is real suffering and pain like that the bible's very real about it pain like that can be it can be for you it might feel all consuming you know, overwhelming when the the writer the novelist C.S. Lewis he lost someone very close to him and he wrote this he wrote a book all about his experiences all about how he struggled with grief and he said this he said her her absence is like the sky spread over everything. And perhaps what, what you're going through feels a bit like that. It just feels like it's an overcast cloudy grey day. We've had a few of those this week. And it just feels like that's the story of your life. That what you're going through just kind of clouds over everything. And the Bible's real that that pain and suffering can cause us grief. And not only is it painful, but suffering can be diverse. It says you've been grieved by various trials. There's a a diversity of suffering which often we don't recognize. Often we'll see only the pain in our own lives and we won't necessarily see it in other people's lives. You'll notice it. maybe you've, you've hung out with people that every time you try and talk about something, they find a way to bring the conversation back to their own problems instead. They're always bringing it back to, oh yeah, I remember when something like that happened to me as well. And then they'll, they'll go into talking about their own issues and troubles. The thing is, is that we do it as well. It's not just other people do it to you. We all do it. We all do it. We all can have this thing where we we somehow think that what we're going through is news that everyone needs to go about, or what we're going through is more difficult, and they just don't understand. But the Bible recognizes that there's a diversity, there's various trials that we walk through that often you don't even know sometimes. You don't even know what's going on in people's lives. Sometimes we just need to get good at asking some good questions and just drawing some people out. We're giving space and opportunity for people to really share about what's happening in their life. I shared a, a beer with a good brother here this week and he just told me some struggles in his life. And I was, just, I was just so blessed to hear his story. It just genuinely did me good to think, oh goodness, I can pray for you. I can, you know, I can ask God to help you with that. I didn't, I, I didn't think anything negatively at all, it was a wonderful experience, and sometimes we just need to give people space, ask people some questions, try and find out the story of people's lives, what their life looks like underneath the surface. Because you see, it's not like, you know, Jesus doesn't say to us, well, your life is tough, but let me tell you about what I did, you know, I died for you on the cross, so just get over your problems. It says that Jesus is a, a high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He doesn't just dismiss what you're going through. It says in the Psalms that God keeps your tears in a bottle. I, I don't think that's a literal thing. I don't think you'll get to heaven, there'll be this big bottle, and then you'll look at someone else and think, well, your bottle's a lot bigger than mine. man. Pull yourself together, lad. You know, it's not like that, but God, God sees every tear. He's, he's, he's aware of it all. He's not just aware, but he's at work in your life. He cares for you as a good father. He loves you. And these things are painful, they're diverse, but all the time they're, they're working to, to do something good in us, to do a work of what the Bible calls sanctification, as in make us more like Jesus. Because it says... These various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire. For what you do with with gold is that you have to you smelt it, you 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 heat it to extreme heats to draw out the impurities, all the different iron ores and things and stuff that shouldn't be in there. You have to heat it and treat it and squash it and do things to it to draw out all of the bad stuff so that you get pure gold as your result. And it's not trying to get rid of the gold. The fire can't get rid of the gold. It's there to purify it, to strengthen it. And and that's what happens in your life. God's trying to strengthen you. He says he won't put you through any... Temptation that's more than you can bear. God's at work to do something good. He's drawing out the impurities, the, the, the horrible bits. He's little by little uh, testing you. Sometimes it might even feel hot, as in there's a, you feel like you're in the furnace. That's a good place to be. It means God's at work. Because it's trying to produce something even more valuable than gold. In the end, what this suffering produces is something that lasts. Because it's funny, in this passage, he says, what does he say at the start there? He says, more precious than gold, though that perishes. And you think, well, gold doesn't perish. It, it doesn't. Gold doesn't rot. It doesn't bi- biodegrade. Gold is, no one actually knows for sure, but it's, it's almost eternal, but no one's been around long enough to know if gold actually lasts forever. But the thing is, what God's doing in you, that genuinely is eternal, more so even than gold. What God's doing in you is a precious thing. It's a mighty thing. It's a powerful thing. Now, if you finish now, you might think what I'm basically saying is that there's pain and there's hardship and there's testing and there's fire and there's suffering and then one day there's glory when you go to heaven, but there's this horrible bit in the middle and then everything's good. That might sound a little bit what I'm saying Um, You might remember the the verse I read from the start for Romans where I said that uh, rejoice in our sufferings and it goes on to say knowing that suffering produces endurance endurance produces character character produces hope it sounds a bit like it sounds a bit like the sort of thing your dad says to you, right? When you fail, fail your driving test or something, and your dad says, it's character building. You think, I don't, I don't want my character to be built. I want to be able to drive the car. <laughs> Leave me alone, Dad. <laughs> and it might sound a little bit like I'm saying that, that there's all these things here to kind of strengthen your character. And you might think, I, don't, I just want to enjoy life. Why does my character have to be strengthened? Why does God have to do all these horrible things to me? I just want to have fun. But what this passage also goes on to say is that we can rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. And that's not actually just talking about the future of an eternal glory. That's talking about now, in your life today, this week, this month that you can rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible unspeakable. It's so deep in your heart that you can't even find the words to describe it. As I said earlier, though the story of your life may have suffering in it, the atmosphere of your life, the mood of your life can still be one of joy. Because let me tell you a few things about joy. First of all, joy isn't, it's more than just being happy. It's more than just being happy. It's a lot deeper than that. There's nothing wrong with being happy, but it's not really applicable to be happy in all circumstances. I'm sure you found this. There's moments in life where you think, if I just start laughing now, that would be really awkward. You know, I'm at a funeral, everyone else is sad. This is not the time to laugh. You know, there are times in your life where happiness just doesn't really fit. And yet, it says in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice some of the time. No, it says rejoice always. Always, always rejoice. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen, rejoice always. It doesn't say only at certain times or most of the time, just not at funerals. It says rejoice always. G.K. Chesterton, who I quoted from earlier, he went on to say that praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. Pessimism is at best an emotional half holiday. Joy is the uproarious labor by which all things live. Because happiness is is not a bad thing, but it's kind of just a surface emotion. It's like if Ix if beat Nord this afternoon, then lots of people in the city will be happy. I'll be moderately happy. Len will be very happy. But then next week if they lose, people will be unhappy. I might be moderately unhappy. Len might be very unhappy. <laughs> if, if I suddenly got uh, a letter through the post with a thousand euros in it, or I got a pay rise, I might be happy. But then if I get a blue letter from the dienst the next day that could lead to unhappiness right? (laughs) You know if if someone says something nice about me I might be happy but then if, if one of my kids makes some smart comment about my hair I might be unhappy you know that's just life isn't it? Happiness comes and goes and part of the problem of humanity part of our problem is that we try and find joy in things that are only really supposed to make us happy. We, we, we take kind of temporary things, things that, that God's put them there to give us happiness, but we try and find our everything in those things. We, we try and get our total fulfillment and satisfaction, our deepest joy from things that they're not supposed to do that. They're just supposed to... They're, they're, they're not bad things. They can give you happiness but they won't ultimately give you joy in your life. Because joy, joy isn't a a shortcut. Sin is, that's what sin is. It's a shortcut to joy. It's just trying to make ourselves happy, a, a temporary happiness. But it won't satisfy. And in the end, all it will do is kind of dullen and cheapen what your experience of what joy actually can be. See, because what Christianity is as it says here, there's this is odd verse, but it's real Christianity is is a not seeing but believing, trusting, having faith in something much more beautiful and powerful, and fixing your eyes on Jesus and finding your deepest joy and fulfilment in him and who he is. And another thing that joy is is Joy is the it's the result of faith, not the reason for faith, if that makes sense. It says here, you believe in him and rejoice. And the order is really important. It's not we believe in God so that we can rejoice. It's not that we believe in God to make us happy, it's the other way around. When we believe in God, happiness, joy follows that it's it's a byproduct of life with god it's the result of what it is to follow jesus c.s lewis who i quoted from earlier again he said when first things are put first second things are not suppressed but increased when you decide to trust in god and be obedient to him Joy then follows at a much increased level if you just focused on finding the joy itself. If You put your trust in, sometimes that means you have to lay things down, things that maybe you set your heart on, your desire on, things that have transfixed you. And sometimes Jesus will say, you need to stop that. You need to walk away from that. You need to lay that down. And that can feel horrible and painful. And think, oh, I can't do that. But then you'll find when you do that and trust in him, later he'll bring so much joy that you never would have known into your life. He'll release this torrent of blessing into your life that you never would have experienced. You see, because this this joy he has for us is, as it says here, it's, it's inexpressible. It's unspeakable. You know, I wish I had a, a kind of a nice pithy catchphrase to try and give you like a nugget of wisdom to describe what it is to experience joy. But I can't because it's unspeakable. <laughs> it's inexpressible. I, I can't just give you a nice summary of it, a nice metaphor, analogy, It's it's partly why, when we gather here as a church, partly why we sing together. You might have come in here today and thought, why are these people singing? This is a bit weird. You know, some of them are kind of waving their arms in the air. Some of them look actually, you know, mildly happy. What's wrong with these people? Why are they singing? And it's partly, it's a God-given gift for us to try and express this unspeakable joy in our hearts. And you'll find that as you sing and worship God, you'll find even the act of thanksgiving, the act of kind of gratitude, it kind of enlarges your soul. It does something profound in you. In in singing to try and express your joy in knowing God, he then brings more joy into your heart. It's difficult to explain, but that's why we come together to worship. It's not just to declare things that are true, although we do do that. And that's really important, to declare who God is. But it's because we're, we're giving him praise and glory. We're expressing this joy in our hearts. And as we do it, he comes and brings more joy into our hearts. He comes and speaks to us profoundly. He stirs us, does good things in our lives. See, I guess... If I could try and describe joy, it's it's being happy in God. It's just having a kind of a contentment in who he is and what he's done. That he's your father and that he loves you and he cares for you. He sent his son to die for you. Jesus rose again and you rose with him. You've been called into His family, as co-heirs with Christ. So we get hold of these deep truths of Christianity. If we get hold of His forgiveness and His love for us, you find this this kind of might be might at first just feel like a relief. Kind of just you're not quite you just maybe even it's just an emotional thing, but eventually you just find this deep sense of joy and peace in your life. Oh, Jesus loves me it is well with my soul." <laughs> There's no deeper joy you can find than that. And this, this joy as well, It's this unspeakable joy, it's a work of God. It's, a, it's something you can receive by the Holy Spirit. That passage I read from, from Romans, not only that we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character, character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Maybe if you're you're listening to me and you're thinking, well, that all sounds nice, but I can't really relate to what you're talking about, then just ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal more of Jesus into your life. That's what the Holy Spirit does all the time. He's pointing to Jesus. And then when he does that, you'll find that joy just wells up within you. Thankfulness, gratitude. If you're struggling to find joy in your life, just ask God to come and help you. Also this joy, it's it's like a foretaste. Of glory. It's a foretaste of the age to come. It's like a foretaste of what we get to enjoy in heaven forever. We get those just moments of joy, of happiness, and it's just a glimpse of what eternity looks like. It's like just little nuggets of beauty that God's spread into our lives, spread into the world around us. We get to know something of the unseen Christ, we get to taste something of eternity. You know, God's even put, even sometimes in really mundane things, just in the world around us, God's put just moments of joy and happiness. I came across this quote the other day, which I found really amazing, by a writer called Nate Wilson. He said this, he said, Our Father wove glory and joy into every layer of this world. He wove in secrets that would tease us into centuries of risk-taking before we could unlock them. Flights, glass, electricity, chocolate. He buried gold deep, but scattered sand everywhere. And from the sand came all the wealth of our own age. God made things simple and funny. Skin bags full of milk swinging beneath cows. It's pretty funny, right? If you think about it. And also hard. Have to skim the cream, add sugar from cane grass, shards of vanilla bean from faraway lands, surround with water cold enough to have expanded its molecules and become solid. Now stir, keep stirring, now taste and worship. And us, no more for you, Johnny. You've had enough. And God says, Try the hot fudge. (laughs) It's happiness that God has wove into the world around us. Just little kind of trinkets of glory that we get to come and enjoy. And as well, it's not just a foretaste of, of kind of heavenly eternity, but as well of we get to taste something of this redemption, of this salvation of what Jesus has done for us. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Again, C.S. Lewis said, earthly joy it's only valuable as a pointer to something other and greater. All these little trinkets of joy that you can experience, they're all pointing towards something else. All the pleasures of this earth that God's dotted around us, to fill us with happiness, all the time they're speaking of something beautiful, something greater. You'll know what I mean if you've, you've ever gone into a, like a mountain range, particularly if you're Dutch because you don't really know what mountains look like. And then when you finally see it, it just takes your breath away, right? And you think, wow, there's something almost kind of transcendent that happens within you. And it points you to God, there's something in the beauty of it. And if you ever watch those incredible Nate's Your Heart, and thinks makes you think, God's amazing. And if you ever watch those incredible nature programs, and you, and you hear about these stories of the intricacy of creation, and you think, God's incredible. And it's supposed to do that. That's its job. All the time, all of creation is looking to Jesus and saying, Isn't he amazing? Catch hold of some of it. And all the time, it's pointing to this greater glory. And we get to live with this, this kind of atmosphere of joy in our lives. And the best way to experience that is you just look at the empty tomb. You see that Jesus has died and now there's an empty tomb. He's not there anymore. He rose again to give you new life. To make you a new creation. To come and fill you with his power and his strength. And so that he can know you, he can know you and you can know him. That you can have a relationship with a living God. You can come and know a Father, a heavenly Father. And when you look at that, you think, how could I not know joy in my life? Okay, I've talked for enough. Let me pray. Jesus, we we don't want to be in any way dismissive of suffering and pain, we want to be the opposite of that, We we want to be real with one another. We want to be open and honest with one another and share our difficulties and our struggles, our pain. And all the time we want to help point each other to this greater glory, to this deep joy that we can know in following you, in knowing the living God who loves us, this heavenly Father who cares for us, and knowing that there's an eternity laid aside for us of joy and happiness. But we can experience some of that right now. That we can know this joy inexpressible, this unspeakable joy and contentment in our hearts of knowing you, Jesus. I just pray for anybody here that, that struggles to find that, that maybe life just feels like one battle following another battle and then another. I just ask Holy Spirit that you be at work in their life even now just to help them to know know you, to know you, to know what you've done for them, to know the freedom that you've given them and pray Holy Spirit be at work in our hearts. All of us want to encounter you again to know the deep joy that we can find in you. Why don't you just, before we worship, why don't you just Stand to your feet, and uh, you don't have to, if you'd rather stay seated, that's fine. But just before we start to sing, just take a moment and, and ask God, and just say to him, I wanna, I wanna know deep joy in you. Not just a silly, frivolous thing, just pretending to be happy. I really wanna know real joy that sustains me that keeps me, that strengthens me. Even in the midst of trials and sufferings, I want to see the good that you're doing in them. I want, I want strength to endure and to persevere. But ask the Holy Spirit to come and give you joy in him again. And just as we worship, just let your heart just come and sing to God in thankfulness and adoration. Don't have to worry about people around you Just let your soul just sing and give thanks to God for who he is. Just let that unspeakable joy flood out of your heart.